Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the podcast, 15 Alive, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison. I'm your host, Tito, and we're doing another interview. This interview is with a buddy of mine, Carlos. He did time over 20 years ago, and it wasn't a long amount of time, but it definitely had an impact. So this is going to be another three-part series we're going to do pre-incarceration, incarceration, and post-incarceration. So without further ado, let's get into Carlos, his upbringing, and what eventually got him into prison. Hope y'all enjoy. All right, welcome everyone. 15 to Life here. We're going to be doing an interview with Carlos, who's been out of prison for somewhere around 20-ish years. Um, he didn't do a whole lot of time, but uh, like yeah. a lot of us and some of you who listen and follow uh it's about hearing what led people to the point where they are incarcerated what they did while they were in and what they've been doing since they've been out so without further ado carlos welcome to 15 to life hey thanks for having me man i'm i'm honored and i'm humbled number one i'm humbled to be talking to you know people who who have done a hell of a lot more time than i did yeah so. and and yeah there's always someone with more right <laughs> yeah I, I definitely know that um so basically let's start off you know tell tell me about your childhood whatever you're comfortable with uh, as far as like where you grew up and your family life and what it was like as as a pre-adult carlos to adult and then we'll get into the incarceration piece yeah so um i was born and raised in west covina california um, I, I, you know, I, the, people call it middle class, but I like to call it lower middle class because, you know, uh, middle class people don't have the lights turned off because you can't pay the bills or the water not running, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, um, you know, it was like, I was in a situation in my neighborhood where it was integrated, a lot of different races, but if you were to walk two blocks to the right you were in la puente which was totally mexican you know it was totally you know gang territory there um so there was a lot of interaction there uh you know my childhood i came from a good home you know i mean i had a hardcore religious kind of upbringing which kind of kind of excelled the rebelliousness in a sense, because I didn't really agree with that. Um, at a young age, though, I will say this for the record, because I think it, it, it it's going to set the standard for what happens. Um, I was I was molested as a child. And I was probably, man, if I think back, because, you know, there's things like that, that you remember when you're young and there's things that you don't. And this is one of the things that, you know, I'm 43 years old. I still think about this, you know, it's still in, ingrained in my mind. Um, I was probably around six-ish, maybe six or seven-ish. And, and no no one knew about it. Nobody knew about it. 
and uh, kept it in. And, and uh, I basically grew up angry. I was an angry child. I was angry. And uh, I got into a lot of uh, fights. That was my thing. You know, that was my, my, my way of venting um shit by the time i was 10 you know i'd gotten into a few scraps um i don't win them all (laughs) (laughs) i don't win them all but i was thrown down a little bit um i was thrown down so hard that my grandfather nicknamed me rocky because i was a big thing at the time in the the 80s you know he, he would call me rocky and shit but so you know i wasn't a i wasn't really fond of school I was known as the class clown. I always like to clown around. So if I throw some humor into this and you hear me laughing and stuff and throwing jokes, that's just my way of dealing with, you know, coping. Um, so um, my my first experience in being in a program, I guess, I I, I never did, you know, YA or nothing like that. You know, I I, I didn't have a criminal record until I was 19, but um, my first experience was this thing called tough love, you know, quote unquote, back then that was the big thing, tough love. That's how we're going to deal with, you know, people, you know, kids who are, I guess, you know, rebellious. I hate to, I hate that term, but that's what they used. Um, you know, so I did my mom, my pops, or mainly my mom put me there for, you know, I was in there for about three months you know, with other kids. And it was a trip because like, I didn't do no drugs. I didn't do no alcohol. Maybe I smoked a cigarette. Maybe at that time I was 14 years of age when that happened. Um, it was for counseling and all this stuff. Right. So I go there and, and everybody else who was there, that was my age or a little bit older, they were there for, you know, crack addiction, you know, heroin, you know, they were like, you know, hardcore shit. Right. And I'm over here, you know, for family problems. And, and we would have these AA meetings slash NA meetings that we would go to with grown men. And we'd go there, you know, you got the coffee, you got the donuts and all that shit there, you know, all that. And, and we'd go there and, and, uh, I remember, um, people, standing up you know when you're in a meeting you stand up you say hey you know i'm so and so and i'm here for this you know Mm -hmm. and i remember my peers would say you know i'm so and so i'm here for smoking crack you know or i'm here for heroin it was come to me (laughs) come to my turn i'm here Uh, i'm like i'm so and so i'm carlos so and so and i'm here for family problems you know what I mean it was like (laughs) it was kind of it was like I felt like a bitch you know uh so I went through that um that was kind of it it didn't do me no good if anything it just made me more angry um I of course I got into it when I was there you know I threw down a couple times when I was there got in trouble for that um um, I, I got cut off with the clap calls <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, my parents and stuff. And, you know, um, never got no visitations, none of that shit during those three months. And again, 14 years. Um, but within those times, so I am Hispanic 
And I don't speak Spanish. I wasn't raised like that. You know, we were, uh, I was, uh, my, my parents spoke Spanish, but they didn't teach me how to speak Spanish. And, you know, during those times, it was more of, hey, you know, you need to learn English and that's it. You know, we're, we're not, we weren't, we weren't the prototypical Mexican family, per se. Yeah. It was assimilation and all that stuff. So, I uh, I I loved rap, I loved R and B, I loved hip hop, you know that was my thing, that was my jam, and and so within the people who I grew up with, you know, I, I it was back then. We're talking now, late eighties, early nineties. Um, the the Hispanics normally, you know, the uh, you know they go to their music. You know, they didn't really listen to what I did. Mm-hmm. And I had a different style. You know, I wore cross colors. You know, when, you know, I had I had one pair of cross colors because that's all we could afford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I chose the, you know, the fluorescent green <laughs> cross color pants and, and the cross color suede shoes. Um, and that's all I had for the school year. But um, so I hung out with a lot of black people that was my people's you know because that's i mean that's uh, uh, uh culturally musically that's why i jive with mm-hmm. so i hung out with them a lot i got a lot of slack from mexicans you know i hate to say my people you know but yeah i mean i, I hate that phrase you know i hate labels um so I did that going through high school, going through middle school and high school was, was, was kind of, now that I look back at it, it it was educational, but at that time it was, you know, people calling me, you know, um, can I say a derogatory term, you know, if, if it's real, you know, that I was called the names I was called, you know, yeah, I was called a nigger lover you know, shit like that. And, um, you know, and, and that word wasn't used in my household, but I knew what it meant. Uh, and, um, and, and it pissed me off, you know? So again, you know, we'll throw down again, you know, whatever, um, through high school, it was the same thing, you know, I, I, I'd get the, I get the, you know, the, the gang members that were in my high school, where I lived at at the West Covina high school where I went, where I, where I attended. Um, they called me that. And, and, um, but yeah, man, I, I, I clicked up with the brothers and, um, and I, and I was tested a lot. I was tested a lot by the actual gang members who were black. You know, because they were like, what's this Mexican dude doing here? You know, what's he trying to prove? You know, I remember getting jumped one day in the locker room. First, it started one-on-one. And then, you know, ne- next thing I know it, you know, I'm on the ground. You know, boom, it happened. And I remember my, uh, my uh, the the PE coach at the time. <laughs> he, uh, 
it wasn't like how it is nowadays. You get into a fight, the cops are called, you know, you get charges pressed on you and all that shit. Nah. Back then, it was just, you know, you get called into the office, in the PE coach office. And the PE coach, you know, the old school guy, you know, he sat us down, me and the black dude. And, and he's like, look, I don't, I don't want no racial shit going on here. So you guys shake hands and call it a day. And I knew that wasn't going to happen. You know, I mean, we did just for show. You know, and then afterwards there was some, you know, repercussions still. I mean, we, we still had to deal with it. And um, so that's the way I kind of grew up from from in West Covina, from middle school to high school. Um, and then we moved down to Temecula, which is back then was a small town. We only had one high school. Now it's just booming city. Um, but again, angry angry as fuck because of what happened to me uh, when I was younger, the abuse um, and not being understood where I was coming from, from, from an emotional standpoint and nobody wanting to listen. And so I got to Temecula, I got a brand new start. And instead of me taking advantage of that brand new start, I went I went into that school with a chip on my shoulder. Like, you know, fuck shit, I'm from LA. Because, you know, when 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 it comes down to uh, 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 regional areas in Southern California, Temecula is Riverside County. Anything north of Riverside County, you know, it don't matter what suburb you live in in LA County, you're from LA. Right? So, yeah, all that super bullshit. So, you know, I was like, you know, I'm I'm from LA. You know, I ain't gonna put up this, you know, fucking petty ass bullshit. And <clears throat> so I, I, you know, I did my little schooling. I, again, I was never a school guy. School bored the fuck out of me. You know, I mean, I was smart. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, I was smart. You know, but I just I just it bored the hell out of me. And I got to I got to my fights there in high school ended up getting uh expelled finally after like the third fight again no cops called <laughs> back in the day this is probably 92 ish yeah. um so i get expelled i get to continuation school right they put me in in, in what they called the continuation school so i go to the fucking continuation school and 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 but during my high school years i played ball I played ball. That was my thing. I played football. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I wish I would have, uh, continued that, but anyways, um, so I get into the continuation school and they have something called independent studies in the continuation school where you could you pretty much take your work home and, you know, you go to the house and you work independently. Well, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to do that. So I did that. And, uh, yeah, I got really independent. I just didn't study. <laughs> I, just, I just stopped school completely. I just stopped school completely. And and, and at that point, you know, my uh, mom's, uh, she had enough of me. You know, she's like, you're out. You're gone. You know, of course, there was a lot of uh, back and forth between me and her just because of our different views and stuff and everything. And But from there, I was I was out on the street, basically, 
kicked out of the house. You know, I was couch surfing. You know, I was, you know, that's when I started to get into real trouble. Again, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm probably 16 years old-ish. Um, I wasn't getting caught for nothing, but I was hanging around with the wrong crowd. And at this point, I'm hanging out with Mexicans, right? I'm hanging out with, with gang members. Uh, the only th- smart move I made when I was young was I never got jumped into a gang. I never did that because I knew, I knew that, you know, what comes with that. You get jumped in, that's a commitment. That's, that's something that you're not going to live down. That's something you're going to have to carry with you no matter where you go. And um, so I never got jumped in, but I was associated. Mm-hmm. I was associated. So uh, I did that. Uh, it came back to me going back to LA and living with my uncle and his son, my cousin. And he was talking about, Hey, you know, let's go to New York. You know, let's, let's fly out there. You know, my mom's is out there. Let's go to New York. Be, you know, me being a city boy, we didn't know there was an upstate New York. We just thought New York that you see in the, in the movies and shit, right? Like the city. So I was like, hell yeah, let's go for the summer. So we went and uh, we, we went for the summer and, and and that was a trip because we didn't, again, we didn't know there was a country, you know, that we didn't know there was sticks in New York, mm-hmm. um, but that's where we were stuck. Um, he took off after the summer and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stay here. You know, I'm going to stay here and get, and get my life straight and, and uh, I ended up getting kicked out of there. Yeah, getting kicked out of that place because, you know, his mom's was like, you know, uh, pretty much her mindset from what I believe was her, you know, her son ain't here no more. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. So, and I hooked up with, with some people there. We were living in a, in a, in a bounded house. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was condemned essentially, you know, the downstairs wasn't usable. It was just upstairs. We cooked on a hot plate, you know, we didn't have no job. Um, you know, there was some criminal activity that was going on just to, you know, buy some weed or something like that, you know, that we could get high off on. Um, and then, you know, next time I know it, cops are kicking in the door. Boom. That happens. My brother at the time, he still was my brother, but he was up there. I'm not going to get into detail about who or why or how he was up there, but he was there. I remember him picking me up from the police station because I didn't have nothing on me. I didn't do nothing. And uh, they, uh, you know, he was pissed off. So I stayed with him for a month and then, my mom finally accepted, you know, said, okay, send him back home. Needless to say, my cousin, who had left during the summer, he got caught up in some shit. Because, I don't know, maybe it's a blessing or maybe it's not. I don't know. Because if I would have gone back with him, I would have been in that same situation as him. And, and he got sentenced. And he got, you know, did some stuff with some people. And... And, you know, he got sentenced to seven years for some bullshit. 
Um, and at that time I was 18 years old at that time. So I get back, go back to Temecula and again, start falling right back into the same thing. And again, couch surfing, you know, jumping from house to house. I'd, I'd go home, quote unquote, to do laundry, pick up some fresh clothes, maybe a meal, have some food, and I'll dip out, you know. And then I get caught up again with the wrong crowd. I start, I start hanging out with the wrong people. I don't have a job. I don't have an education. You know, I never graduated high school. Uh, and, uh, you know, I started to think I was, I was a dope dealer. You know, I was a knucklehead. You know, I was a knucklehead punk. And, and, and so I started, you know, slanging, I guess you could call that. You know, it wasn't any heavy weight or nothing like that. And uh, so we, when, when we're getting to the part of me getting busted, we could fast forward all the, all the Dr. Phil shit. Um, uh, it was uh, Halloween night. Halloween night, 1996. Halloween night. And I'm at the spot, and it's just me. Everybody else went to uh, Knott's Scary Farm, is what it was called. You know, it's Knott's Berry Farm, but during Halloween, you know, they turned the Halloween shit on that crap. You know, and uh, I was like, nah, you know, I'm gonna stay behind because there was, you know, I was back, I, at that time I was addicted to meth, so I, I was I was doing meth, so I was a meth head. You know, I was six foot, hundred fucking fifty, hundred sixty pounds. You know, at that time because of it, and. I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch the spot for a little bit. And, you know, my plan was to just sit there for a minute and then go across the street, go across the way to their homie's house and, you know, take some weed and some meth and we're going to party just on our own. But then, you know, the phone rings, Hey, the phone rings. Hey, uh, you got, you got something? I'm like, yeah, come on over. You know, because I had to watch the spot. So come on over. So I served them. And then uh and and then they call back and they're like, hey, you know, um, can we hang out? I'm like, cool. And it was two chicks. So I was like, hell yeah, come on. You know, we're we're gonna chill. So my plans of going with my homie was out was out the door. My mind was was there. Um, so I remember, and this is the point where I get busted and, um, I hear a knock on the door and we're smoking weed and they're knocking the door. It's Riverside County Sheriff's party announcing themselves. And I told everybody in that room, I was like, you know, shut up. I have a load of 44 on me. I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. And I could hear the sheriffs yelling through the door, you know, or you, we could smell the marijuana, this and that, and, you know, all this crap. And, you know, of course, this is way before it was legal. Um, and uh, so I, I, I went to try to stash the 44. By the, time, by the time I came out of the room, they had let him in 
I think I was set up, honestly. I think it was a setup because let me rewind a week later or a week prior, rather. Um, me and the homie were there and, and uh, I had a guy knock on the door. I look in the peephole. I see him open the door. He was like, hey, you know, you got a dime bag? He's like, yeah, okay, cool. I go back, you know, hook, you know, I didn't weigh that shit out. You know, you kind of finger it out, right? You, you, it's like a lid, right? You kind of mm-hmm. finger lid it, you know, in the bag. Here you go. Boom. Okay, cool. 20, 30 minutes later, he comes back, knock on the door. Boom. It's him again. I'm like, okay. Return customer. Here we go. Open the door. This time he has a freaking pistol pointed to my head. And he has a homie behind him with a, with a rifle. And I'm like, damn, fuck, right? And, 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 and it was the first time that I've ever been in that type of situation. You know, I was, I was 19 at that time. And so he, you know, he came in with the pistol, demanding the, the weight. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, hey, where's yep. the weight? You know, we want the weight. Where's the heat? Where's the heat? We want the heat because there was heat stashed there, but there was, I mean, that's another story I won't divulge into where it was at, but, you know, um, I had a 22 or 25, something like that, that I, that I had kept on me, but it was in, in another room and I always kept the clip out of it because if you get, you know, caught in California with a gun with a clip in it, it's a higher charge than it is if you get caught without a clip, you know, some bullshit like that, but. So I remember him, you know, with the pistol in the back of my head the whole time. And I'm scared as fuck. All right, straight up, I'm scared. You know, and 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 uh, you know, like his other homie had my homie pinned down on the on the living room area. And um so I, I, I gave him the twenty two or the twenty five, whatever it was. I remember him looking at it. He was like, the fuck is this? I don't want this shit. He fucking throws it down, right? He's like, he's pissed. I didn't give him nothing bigger. So he wanted the weight now. Now he wants the weight. He wants the drugs. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, all right, fucking. Boom, here, here you go. Here, it was like a pound of weed, maybe some Coke or something like that. And then all the cash I was in it. And then meanwhile, his partner is beating up my homie, you know, demanding exact same thing that they uh, asked for me and um he had uh after a while they they told us both to get in the kitchen and strip down naked at, at gunpoint this whole time and, and and you know i mean I guess the coolest thing I said at that point was like, come on, man, really? You want to strip down naked? You want to strip down naked? And uh, so, you know, we just pulled down our pants, kept our shirts on. They hogtied us up. And that whole time when they're hogtying us, though, the dude had his pistol on the back of my head. And I remember that dude, I, I, I never forget to this day how it feels to have a pistol point up. Right. I mean, feel, the, the feeling of that still on on the back of your head um 
that was uh that that was i was i was i was a little bitch again at that moment i was shaking i was on the floor shaking my ass was shaking i could feel my ass shaking and shit yeah it was it was trembling and i told myself i'm like all right carlos you know this is it you know this is the because they don't wear no masks or anything you know so i was like all right you're not gonna hear nothing you're not gonna feel nothing it's just gonna go blank that's it that's all i remember and i mumbled a little prayer even though i'm not a religious man uh, i mumbled a little prayer to myself and you know by circumstance by happenstance by fate by destiny by god whoever you know you want to put it on they didn't pull no triggers and they took off so after that my dumb ass should have stayed away now what happens i'm back there the next day i'm back there the next day um but this time the heat's not put up. The heat's there. You know, the guy answering the door, you know, he's, you know, he's, he has his, you know, his weapon on him and stuff. And I get in and, and that's when I was designated the, the, uh, 44 Magnum snug nose, you know, here it is. Boom. I'm like, fuck, I don't even know how to use a gun. You know, like I shot a rifle before, but that was in upstate New York for hunting reasons <laughs> but um so that's the only reason why i had the heat on me when i got busted so i i get busted now i was very naive no one ever schooled me no one ever trained me on what to expect on what to do the only thing i need uh, the only thing I, I i knew was keep your mouth shut yeah, and, and yeah, I was I was I was fucking tweaked out when they came in. Yeah, yeah, it was I'm not trying to glorify it, this at all. I'm just speaking the truth, but I was tweaked out and and you know they came in and they ended up finding everything and, and uh you know they, they found a pound of weed, a ounce of coke and an ounce of meth, and the ounce of meth was already baggied up because some tweaker bitch wanted to <laughs> fucking spend her time tweaking, bagging the shit up, you know, laying the shit out. And um, so none of the people there, you know, they got all pulled out of the house, out of the apartment when it happened, which I thought was odd. I was the only one left in there. Um, looking back at it, you know, it was at that time i didn't think anything but looking back at it you know when you're sitting and counting stuff you're kind of thinking about that so anyways so i get busted for you know um possession for all three counts all right everyone that was the interview portion the pre-incarceration interview portion with carlos i hope you all enjoyed that some uh crazy stories in there right um and some of you may be able to relate to some minor extent some of you are probably going wow and i will tell you check out part two and part three because you're going to hear some more really interesting stories um anyway that was carlos i appreciate him and his time 
And I wish y'all all the best in your week. And hope that you're safe. And check out part two when it comes out. All right. This is Tito signing out.